privilege to be here in this lovely auditorium tonight in Bloomington to have our closing service. I want to say that it's been a real pleasure being here among you good people in the last few nights. And I trust you to God that someday, by His grace, I can come back and be with you again a little longer. And now I want to thank each and every one of you for your kindness. I've been treated so nice. And I appreciate everything in the gift. A brother bought me some clothes. Give Billy Paul a gift. He sent us a couple boxes of candy. Give us the love offering. For all this, we're very thankful. May God richly bless you for And we didn't come for that, that purpose. We come to be a blessing and to receive a blessing. And we certainly have received a blessing by being with you, the people. And now, the next service, knowingly, that I'll have be Chicago, Illinois. I'll begin somewhere in the early part of January, and will perhaps last through January and most of February. And coming back, I am trying to make my meetings. So I won't have to be all the time in praying for the sick with the tremendous respect that the anointing has on me. But I do some preaching. And uh, I'm to begin in Chicago, God willing. I ever I'll go home and then from there to, I've got to go to Florida to pick up other bodies for us. And we may have a night or two down there. I'm not sure. And then I'll come back and he's the assistant. And uh, this next meeting coming on. We certainly will have you on our hearts, God willing, the pastors and so forth. We believe I will return again this next summer, late in the summer. And I'll probably go to Africa and India and a few more places overseas this summer. I'll return back. I hope to be able to be here with you. Now, now, you people really need an anniversary grant.
that when I had made the baby, the staff on the baby, but the woman's faith wasn't in the staff, it was in the prophet. So the prophet had to come and put his body on the baby's body to bring it to life. Now, however, perhaps that's where Paul got that. The only place in scripture that I know where he could have picked that up. But whatever he touched, they seen that God was with him, and they knew that what he touched was blessed, so God honored that as just a little contact of faith. Now, many people are telling people to write to them. Well, it's a radio broadcast or something, but I don't have any broadcast or anything. But I haven't prayed over many packages since I've been here. I didn't know whether it was a, a doctrine of the church here or not. I send out somewhere several thousand a week all around the world. And I have a greater ministry in and that can reduce the personal contact with the people because I reach more people. Now, if you desire one of those little, it isn't a handkerchief, but some thousands of them have very little capital to work with, but I, I take a little ribbon to the instructions. You're perfectly welcome to one absolutely free of charge, just right to Jeffersonville. You'll find our little farm will be sent back. I got a fair circle all around the world. And, as they pray, you get up at midnight and two o'clock in the morning around the world to pray. They cut the handkerchief, a little cloth over their heart on the underneath garments, and that's always thin. And everybody prays for one another. And just imagine that thousands and thousands of prayers going at one time for each other. God just can't turn his back on it. He's got to hear it. Recently, I was around a, a little message I got from Germany was that we have a little office like in Premier Ever Nation where they translate the letters and send them to us. A little German woman that had sent her an army class and then first she, she got it, she had arthritis and she'd been in a, uh, in a wheelchair for several years. So she got the little cross and she called in the neighbors, says that she hadn't got a pastor to get a few neighbors and she made all her confessions and put the cross on her, and when she put it on, she said, Now, devil, you get out of here. <laughs> and she got up and walked away. I was reading there. It's just that simple to just have faith in God. That's all there is. All there is is her faith just was made to a level where she could accept her healing and run away. The simplicity of divine healing is such a simple thing. Some time ago in the Indian Reservation, when I first started in my services about eight years ago, I was a student, and the first time I ever prayed for any Indian people, I promised God to be healed of three Indians that was in the meeting that I was, a, was in the prayer line that night, that I would go to the reservation. And um, so they, um, the Lord healed them. And the missionaries taught me through my words, but I come on the road back, I stopped for one night up at the Apache Reservation, if many of you have been up there. That's gold, Arizona. We went back, and there was thousands of them that stood out. There's a little church, uh, I believe it was a Assembly of God station, and they fixed the microphone like this, the speaker's hanging out, and as the sun went down that afternoon, it was a glorious sight to see all those Indians, their little families sitting on blankets. They're very odd people. And when they believe, they believe, but they've got to be convinced first. So I began to tell them that I felt sorry for them and I waited for treatment and so forth, and I do. And uh, 
I said, because I'm just one of the Americans, thanks to you all also. I said, you might not have got the right deal. We send millions of dollars over there to feed the foreign people and our Indians starving to death. After all, aren't they the real Americans? Right. I think that's a stain on our flames to myself. To think that them poor people on earth starving to death and us spending millions of dollars across over there for them to build up their armies and shoot it back at them. And so I said, of course, I can't help that. It's not that I said, here's one thing that I can tell you somebody I'm here to represent tonight. He will give you square deal and be honest. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I asked for a prayer line, well, there was nobody come up. So I wondered my experience. So after a while, the missionary went back in the little meeting and brought out some people she had back there. And the first one to come through was a woman. And as looking at her, she had a venereal disease. Not because she was immoral, but just the way they had to live, and dirty, and so forth. And so she came out and she looked at me real strange. She admitted it was true to the interpreter. And then the next time was a, a little a little girl, and she had a fever that made her death. Well, I tucked her in my arms and prayed for her. And uh, she, also she quit talking. She couldn't talk. And the same nerve that controls the death is not. And so, and I set her down, and I tried, I hit my hand like that, and she turned around, and, and I said something to her, and she mumbled off something, and I said, oh, she'll talk better, and the church said, her talk's not good now. <laughs> but I didn't know what she was saying. <laughs> so, the next was a little cross-eyed boy, and I got him up in my arms, and held him here, and prayed for him. I've never one time in all my ministry ever seen God turn a cross-eyed child down. Never in my life. I had it lost a baby years ago. Billy's little sister, when she was eight months old, she suffered so hard. And I got to the hospital to see her eyes across. And it was something that had taken effect that I had such a pathetic feeling to see a cross-eyed child. However, on down, next coming was a that then I had a real prayer line, man, and there's thousands of them that just begin to fly up everywhere, like just having a stampede, and I wondered, and so they got them all quiet, and so they had a big prayer line started then, and oh, four, five, six hundred of them had lined up. So then the next coming in was to be an old woman that was on crutches, a broomstick. She was very badly crippled, and uh, sold up some way with arthritis and so forth. I looked at the poor old thing, this little young fellow trying to get around her all the time. So we couldn't talk to Mr. Mr. Moore, and any of you know Reverend Mr. Moore. He just picked up a little Indian section back behind the old lady. And this poor old thing, she'd already seen, he knew that God lived. So he put her, brought her crutches coming along like that, and when she got up to me, I just stood still and let her pass by. And she comes. The poor old thing, her great big deep creases or wrinkles in her face, and her hair with leather wrapped in it. And I thought as she looked up, the tears making her way down the stitches in her face, like somebody's mother. Maybe they never had the privileges that some of we had, but her children love her just the same as we love our mother, and she loves her children like, like uh, her children love her the same way. Vice versa. 
that consolation out of our world, what we ask of its son, amen. Jesus Christ 
the Son of God, when he came to the earth, he came to rid sin and sickness, divorce it, put it away forever from his people, and claimed that he would return again, but in his absence, that he gave his church the same authority that he had. If we'll notice what authority he had, it did not come. Jesus didn't go around healing people just because he wanted to. He only healed them as God would let him heal them. We noticed his ministry, as I quoted the other night. If we can find out what kind of ministry Jesus Christ had himself, then we can find out whether he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My contention is this, that Jesus raised from the dead. He is not dead. He's alive, just as alive as he ever was and ever will evermore be alive. He isn't dead. He was only, only absent just a little while from the earth and had to bear our sins to hell as he was made sin in our stead to take our sins, knowing no sin himself, but an innocent substitute, or we guilty sinners, taking our sins and sickness to hell when we were in our sin. God raised him up on the third day for our justification. As we look and see the empty tomb, we realize that we are freely justified in the sight of God, and God has been well pleased with the price that was paid of the death of his son at Calvary. He said, This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Jesus at the cross said, It's finished. The atonement was paid for and made, brother, at Calvary. What kind of a ministry did Jesus have if he was the same yesterday, day, and forever? Don't you, audience tonight, think if he is the same yesterday, day, and forever, he'll, he can do the same today that he did yesterday and forever? Hebrews 13, 8 said that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Watch his ministry. This is a little preview for a few moments. Maybe he's a stranger. Let's see what kind of a ministry he had. Now, he didn't go around saying, all right, you crippled, you get up, you blind, I'll raise this dead man. He raised three dead people, according to the scriptures, in his earthly ministry here while he was on earth. Just three is a confirmation in the mouth of two or three witnesses that every word be established. Many people died during his ministry, but he only raised three, as the Bible records. But what kind of a ministry did he have then? Watch him in the beginning of his ministry, which will base on this text in a few moments. When he was first beginning his ministry to become popular, while a man by the name of Philip got saved, and he went and found his friend Nathaniel and brought Nathaniel to him. And when Jesus standing, preaching and praying for the sick or wherever it was, Nathaniel may have been in the prayer line, he might have been standing in the audience, wherever it was, when Jesus looked at him, he said, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And he said, Whence knowest thou me, Rabbi? Or other words, if I would say the same thing to you, I'd say, There's a Christian, a believer, an honest, truthful person. Or he said, How did you know me? He said, Before Philip called you when you were under the tree, I saw you. Is that true? That's the Bible. And now, what would you think would happen in amongst many people who are shallow, borderline believers tonight? Is something like that taking place here in New York tonight? The first impression they had, either man would say Jesus was a mind reader, or it was mental telepathy, or something like that. And that's the reason God can't move. The people never welcomed him. They, they called him a devil man. They said he was the chief of all the fortune tellers. Did you know that? 
is Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. Is that what the clergy called him? Beelzebub, the chief of all the devils. See, they didn't stop to read the scriptures to see that that was a sign of the Messiah. But they, they just said, well, I know he knows what's wrong with him, and we can't understand why they get well, but uh, he's a devil, see. But what did Philip Nathaniel say? He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the way to accept it. He said, Blessed art thou. If you had believed these things, well, because I told you that I knew where you was before you come to the church and otherwise, well, you'll see greater than this. One day in his ministry, he passed by a woman, or went by up to Samaria was. He sat on a, a bench or a wall, sent his disciples into the city to get something to eat. And if we as American people, which is the Eastern plane, is altogether different from this, but we as American people, we believe that the woman was an ill-famed woman, prostitute perhaps. She had come out to get the water. Jesus said, Here, bring me a drink. She said, it's not customary for you Jews to ask American stuff. We have no dealings. See, he was, to my opinion, he was trying to contact her spirit. The father had told him to go up there, but perhaps he'd take place after he got there. So he sat there and she said, well, it's not customary for you Jews to ask Samaritan sex. He said, but if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. He went on with the conversation. After a while, he caught what was wrong with her, where her trouble was. He said, go get your husband. She said, I have none. So that's right, she got five. Well, I listen. I listened to her, her side of it. She said, I perceive that you are a prophet, not a devil, a prophet. Said, I know that Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he'll tell us these things. The very sign of Messiah was that. That prostitute recognized it before the clergy did. Pretty the same today. Right? When they were in there arguing on what kind of buttons they should have on their coat, three magi, fortune tellers, or whatever you want to call them, stargazers, come from the east, following the stars, and found him. Is that right? True. And the clergy is wondering what kind of buttons they ought to wear on their clothes and how they must dress, having DDs and so forth to their names. Just Justice history just repeating itself. And there lay the gift of God laying there. When he went to preaching and foretelling people and saying to his ministry, well, they said, looked at him and said, he's Beelzebub. That's the clergy. Well, what did the devil say? We know who you are, the Son of God, the Holy One. Is that right? Therefore, they think people can get so ritualistic till they lose, even devils know more about uh, the spirit, and they do, because they deal with spiritual things. They just get so ecclesiastical till they just can't find God. And there's no way to find it that way. God has hid himself in the eyes of the wise and true, you say. And so, notice, when he talked to the woman, she said, I know when Messiah cometh, he'll say those things and do those things. He said, I'm here to speak to you. And she ran into the city and said, come see a man that told me everything I ever done. Isn't this the Messiah? Well, he never told her all she done. He just told her that one thing. But if God could reveal that one thing to him, he could reveal everything to him. So then, if you notice, a little later on, he passed through the pool of Bethesda, where multitudes after multitudes of crippled, lame, halt, blind, twisted, listen close. And when he passed by these people, he never touched a one of them, yet full of love and compassion. Went by them till he found a man laying on a little 
palate, little palate, as we call it in the South. And so he made him well. He, he wasn't crippled. He said, when I'm coming down to the pool, somebody else steps in ahead of me. He said, maybe he's getting old. He had that disease for 38 years. It wasn't going to kill him. He was retired. So he might have had TB or prostate trouble or something. He said, take up thy bed and go into your house. Now, if you'll notice, the scripture says before that Jesus knew that he was there. Now, when the Jews found him and questioned Jesus, why did he heal all the multitudes? Why did he make them all well? You know what would happen in New York tonight? We had a big meeting. There'd be a whole big, they push in a whole big lot of uh, crippled and blind and halt, and the Lord would come down and heal maybe one person, walk away. You know what they'd say? Uh-huh. Let me see him heal that one, and I'll believe it. See, God doesn't heal upon your desires. He heals upon the basis of your faith. Right? So, when they questioned Jesus about it, listen to what he said. Now, St. John 5, 19. Listen closely. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. What the Father doeth, he showeth the Son. And he'll show you greater than this that you may marvel. For the Father worketh, and I worketh hitherto. See? Otherwise, Jesus with his own words said, I don't do one thing within myself, but I watch, and what the Father showed me, I will do it. Is that right? Very, very, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. That does the Son likewise. Now, a woman one time touched his garment and ran out into the crowd. Her faith was so great. He turned around and picked her out in the crowd and said, Thy faith is saved thee, your blood issue stops, and it's all over. See, and many, we watch the way he worked, just as the Father would show him. No credit to himself, but what the Father did. He come to do the Father's will. Now, that's the type of ministry he had. Now listen. He said, A little while, and the world will see me no more. Yet ye shall see me, that's the believer. The world, the unbeliever, won't see me no more. Because you'll be gone, that's settled. That if the world will see me no more, yet you shall see me, for I will be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. That's, that's his own words. Is that right? Now, friends, that's either right or it is wrong. Hebrews 13, 8 said, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday day and forever. And if it is right, he's obligated to his word. And if it isn't right, then the scripture, the Bible, is not a book to be trusted. To me, it's either right or wrong. It's right or wrong. And I am so thankful that I have found that it's perfectly right. For he has raised the dead. He's living. Now what? You say, well, of course, we believe he raised the dead. What do you say? The things that I do shall you do also. Is that correct? You minister? The things that I do shall you do also, even greater, the word greater, and any scholars know the right interpretation there, is more. He couldn't do anything greater. He stopped nature, raised the dead, and everything else, and more greater in quality, but in quantity. More than this shall you do, or I go to my Father. Is that right? These same things that I do, you shall do them also. Now, if he's the same yesterday and forever, he's obligated to that word, isn't he? In the beginning of his ministry here, he was, I can think of that morning when he was sent into the, this lake here. His, his ministry had just started. He'd become popular. Little crowds of people were gathering around him. 
and some miracles that happened. And he'd go to the city and heal a man, walk right out of the city where the Father showed him, and go somewhere else, and whatever the Father showed him. In this day, you've been a group of fishermen. Peter, James, John had been fishing. Perhaps they'd been told before by the others, this wonderful person, Jesus of Nazareth. And they'd stained all night to the, the lake, and they were fishermen. Perhaps we'll say for the sake of drama, that it was along in April when fishing's good, and they were singing this thing to there, and they were fishermen. They know just the kind of weather you're supposed to have, and for the stars and moon and so forth, but all the calendar was given to them by instinct. They know when feast was running and when they wasn't. And they'd singed all night through this lake and had taken nothing. My, that's a discouraging thing, to feast all night and get nothing. And the next morning they were discouraged and sitting down washing their nets, and down along the bank comes this lovely, lonely Galilean, despised and hated by the churches, yet the Prince of Peace, and as he comes walking along the bank, uh, here his apostles are following him, disciples and but they're following him. Now I can imagine seeing the women all up there from the meeting the night before, perhaps washing and so forth along the banks and, and the little huts as it was. They said, there goes that fellow that's healing the sick, that prophet. Let's go down and hear him. Perhaps if we'll gather, we'll have a meeting down there on the bank. And I can see him later, dishes aside, or they're washing, and the man stops the ox in the field from plowing. They're coming down to talk to Jesus. And when he stops on the bank, and begin to speak to the people that said the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. There's no one in the world enjoys hearing God's servants preach like I do. I don't get to hear much of this on radio, all different denominational churches. I just love to hear them. And I don't get to meet them or hear very much of it in the meeting because it's all tucked up and praying for the sick and so forth, and sometimes the throngs of thousands and thousands. And Holy Spirit's moving taking place to place, and I like to hear good ministers speak, but I would have loved to have been there the time when he stretched out his arms and said, Come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I've often wondered if I could live to see the day when that airwave, if the radio technicians and so forth and scientists would be able to produce a crystal of something that would pick up that wave of his voice, they claim it never dies, it just flows on. Uh, come unto me, all get labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I don't know whether I'll live to see that day or not. I don't know whether God will permit it. But there's one thing that I do have a hope in, that someday I'll hear him say this, It is well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I live for, to see that day, to hear that voice, and it was well done. You've done the best you could. That's what I work for. That's what I work and labor in love for my Lord Jesus. These fishermen, I can imagine seeing the apostles sitting up there on a chunk on the side of the shore. They will say, there's that guy, that new fellow, coming here preaching healing down there. Let's just sit down here and see what he says. You know, the fellow comes to church the first night, goes just as far back as he can. Then I can notice him as Jesus began to speak, there was something about his word was just a little different from ordinary man. I see the apostle Peter pick up his stump, pull up a little closer and sit down. After a while, he was right up in front and listening at him. He spoke like some precious words coming from his mouth. Afterwards, he said, stepped out and barred the apostles' boat. 
forward. The crowd was pushing against him and he stepped out in the boat. After he got through speaking, he said to Peter, Launch out into the deep and let down for the draw. Now, not let down and see if there's some there. Let down and take a try at it, but let down for the draw of the whole multitude of pieces. Well, the apostles said, Lord, we have we feast all night. We're fishermen. We know our business. There just simply is no feast out there, I imagine, he said in his heart. Now, we feast to those waters, and we know there's no feast there. But if Jesus said, let out for them, he's able to cut something there, if you'll take him at his word. Now, maybe you have went to every doctor in the city. Maybe you've come to every clinic and every doctor's office. Maybe the man of honesty has examined you and said, I don't know what's wrong with you. And maybe he's found what's wrong with you. It's not in medical realm secure yet. There's nothing in the world that we can do for you. Maybe you've stained through all that. And you went to your prayer line. And you've done everything that you know to do. And you're still sick and getting worse. Why don't you do like the apostle said? Lord, I don't know how it's going to happen. But at thy word, Lord, I'm going to lay down the net tonight. I'm going to let down and believe with all my heart that you're going to heal me tonight. You're going to hear well person. At thy word, Lord, I'm going to let down the net, regardless of what it is. And when the apostle let the net down, where he had sinned all night long, and Jesus asked him to go right back in the same waters and let down again. So when he let down, he enclosed a great multitude of pieces. And he fell before the apostles and before Jesus and said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. How that he wasn't, and from then on he served the Lord. The great blessings that Jesus gave to him, he said, From henceforth, you shall be made, be made the feature of man. And that's the night. How did I, much criticism, and everything where at first beginning it was terrible. But now the Lord has battled down the critics, the great man of kings and potentates and tens of thousands, times thousands of testimonies, brought out by doctors and everything else, and divine healing and even resurrection of the dead, but it's cut the critics now. God has appeared in the meeting in a great form of a life, taken it, been through all the different examinations and things, so God has absolutely proved his word beyond shadow doubt to be the truth. He's got the truth, and I love him. And I think that every Christian right owns their stuff with this thing, that by the right of God's word, that every man ought to come, if you're here tonight for your first time, you ought to look at it sensibly and look at it scripturally and approach it the same way. Don't come with a critical say, well, I don't believe, I don't care. Well, if you're a fellow said to me not long ago, said, Brother Brown, I don't care what happened. I don't believe it. I said, it wasn't for you. It's not for unbelievers. It's for those who believe. Just for believers alone. So and he said, he that believeth, that's the one. These signs shall follow them that believe. Not unbelievers, the believe. That's the ones that follow. And I, tonight, am thinking of these things and seeing how the Lord gets just some people are ashamed after they accept the Lord Jesus as Savior. They go out and are ashamed to confess Him. Many times they accept Him as their healer, and they go out and are ashamed to confess Him. You should never be ashamed of Him. You should be right up no matter what takes place. You should be right up and stuff to stand on your testimony. For God can only save you as you testify. He can only heal you as you testify. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father tonight to make intercessions upon your profession. 
It isn't how loud you cry, how hard you beat the altar, how many good things you do. It's your faith that saves you. And if you confess it with your lips and coming from your heart, he goes to work as a high priest, sitting at the right hand of the Father to make intercession upon your confession. Hebrews 3 1. He cannot do one thing for you until first you believe it and accept it and confess it to do so. And the people today, they'll go out and say, Well, I felt better last night, but today I'm so bad I just can't hardly stand it. That's just exactly when you lose your confession, drop that down. No matter who you are, how saintly, how godly you are, you're a minister, clergyman, or you're a deacon, or whatever you are, or you've been a Christian for 50 years, if you go out of here tomorrow and lose faith that you're a Christian and start telling people you're not a Christian anymore, you're a backslid, you're gone. Only by your confession can you be saved. That's the most powerful weapon that God put in the hand of man, is a committal and a confession. It'll do it every time. If you'll believe it, accept it on those bases, and believe it, and stay with it. Keep confessing. When you confess it, you know, a lot of people look at symptoms. They always go out and say, well, now, I don't feel any better. That doesn't have one thing to do with it. It's what you believe, not what you feel. If, if any man had a good case of symptoms, was Jonah. He was backslid, hands tied behind him on a stormy sea, swallowed by a whale in the belly of a whale, down in the bottom of the sea. Any man knows that a beach when it feeds is a palace here, what if it finds its way and then goes right down the rest of the bottom? Feeds are gold fish and watch what they do go right to the bottom, throw little swimmers out and rest. Now this minister, Prophet Jonah, had been swallowed by a whale and was hands behind him. He was backslid because God told him to go to Nineveh and he went to Tarsha, or on his road to Tarsha. He was backslid and they claimed that the sea around in there is over a mile deep or two out in there and just whale that went way down in the sea now with this creature in his stomach, and if you look this way, it was whale's belly, you look that way, it was whale's belly, everywhere you looked, it was whale's belly. And you talk about being in a condition, he really had a chance to have some symptoms. Everything he looked at was whale's belly. But what did he say? He said, they are lying vanities. I refuse to see them. He said, once more, lives a vomit uh, uh, in the whale's stomach. He weeds wrapped around his neck. In that condition, there's nobody in here tonight in that condition. There's nobody ever been in that condition. Look what an impossibility he is standing in. And yet he refused to see the symptoms around him. He said, once more will I look to your holy temple, O Lord. That's right. Why? When Solomon dead in the temple, he prayed and he said, Lord, if thy people be in trouble anywhere and look to this temple and pray, then you hear from heaven. And Jonah believed that God heard Solomon's prayer. And he looked towards the temple, and God kept him alive for three days and nights in that way of belly, according to the word of God. And if Jonah, under those circumstances, could believe God like that, how much more ought you and I tonight? Sitting there where thousands are being healed every year with all kinds of diseases and afflictions. And we don't look towards the natural temple built by a natural man, offered prayer of a natural man. We look to heaven where Jesus sitting at the right hand of God making intercession when he's all blood for our confession. How much more ought we say, I refuse to see it? Jesus Christ promised me eternal life. I have it. Jesus Christ promised to heal my sickness. I have it. I confess it. I believe it. I have it. Then you're going to make those people go around and say, how do you feel? Say, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Then you're going to run the devil away from you. One time when 
average six male brothers that give me up and everything said I couldn't make it. Everything that he does vomit right back out. I step right down and take God at him for it and told him I'd serve him. And I eat some onions, beans, cornbread, and bologna. And I eat a big mouthful. The devil said, uh-huh. Went to burning. The doctor said, that boy will die. He put that in his stomach. And it started back up. And I held my head over my house. I said, oh, no. Mm-mm. God said so. And I went on the street just to praise God. The devil kept telling me, you're no better. Dave's car said, you're no better. I said, look here, devil. If you don't want to hear me testify and glorify Jesus Christ, just get away from me because I'll tell it till I die. Amen. And tonight, try me on the stake and see if I can use it or not. See, I'm healthy, strong. I only weighed 118, 19 pounds for that time, and now I weigh 165. Yes, sir. Because why? I believe God. I have faith in Him. This is His Word. It's not my Word. It's His Word. God said He would do it. And when Jesus said that He was the same yesterday and forever, would return in this form and do the same things He did when He was there, I believe every word of it to be the truth. And I hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's right. There's His word. His blood is to take care of it. Everything He put in the atonement is ours. We have it by faith. Just accept it and walk forward and confess it and watch that take place. It'll work it. When you get saved at the altar, you believe in salvation. You go outside, the old crowd you met says, huh, he's still got on the same path, still coat. His eyes are still blue or brown or whatever it is. There's no difference in him. There's no physical thing that you can show it off that you're saved. But in your heart, you believe you're saved. So you testify what you believe. If you can accept Jesus as your healer, then no matter what the outside looks like, what the symptoms look like, testify what you believe. That's it. Pay with it. God's obligated to bring it to pass. Oh, my. I remember when I first started out, the love of him, how did the people swarm from everywhere? Remember going down into Jonesboro, Arkansas? I've been gone about six months. I sent for a wife. I was getting so lonesome to see her and the baby. And they come down on the train. I remember they met us. The Arkansas Sun said there were 28,000 people at the meeting, and the paper said they were there, everyone there. They had little places out, little stations built, and tents, and those poor dear people were laying under cots and laying under trucks and cattle trucks and holding ship oars down rain every day and holding papers with their little sick children and things. It was a pathetic sight, but the Lord had been healed. You notice the article up there in one of the books. Man comes to Arbor, a place with a big tent, a red, hanging on his neck, and it turns white, dropped off, and rolled under my feet. And the newspaper is going to take the pictures of it, everything, and put it right on the front page the next day. Here's Miss Hattie Walrock from Phoenix, Arizona, died in the prayer line. She told the intern in there one day to bring her through, said, take me through anyhow. And when she got up there, been dead, there's her address, name, number, everything, she's living today. Had cancer, the heart, colon, and liver. The doctors give her up, but there's not a chance, and they brought her anyhow. She died uh, over city block, away from the place. They kept on bringing the prayer line up. I stayed there eight days and nights without leaving from the prayer line. And so they just kept bringing me, bring me my lunch, a little orange juice, and I would drink, maybe sleep up the side of the pulpit just for a few minutes, wake up and start the prayer line on. And that woman raised from the dead, come right up out of it, and living today. Ask her, there's her address, her. Oh, nothing is fictitious. Ask and see. You got a right to look into it. Man of all over the world has called him for him. Thousands of those things have been done. Why? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he says is the truth. 
That's right. You've lost your faith in him, friend. Come back to God. Come back to your living faith. Get away from these little pet theologies and stuff and serve a real living God by a born-again experience. Right. What you must do to live right with God is kept a man born again. Let the supernatural life of God comes into a man and makes him believe things because he's a part of God. Now, when this, I remember that night going in, trying to get to the auditorium. My wife stood up there and she said, we was about three blocks away in the street, and Rod laughed off, and my wife said, Billy, did all these people come to hear you? And I said, no, honey, they come to see Jesus. So she stood there, poor little fellow, and saying, they come to me east and west. Some ushers are getting up and come and got me and take me through the crowd. I just got in. That's my last night to be in the meeting. We was going on there to a little rock in Jonesboro. I happened to look down here and the ambush stretches this way ever heard his little girl laying there and his disease and coming over. And I noticed over this way somebody kept motioning like this. He had a dark suit with blues tapping his hand. I thought he looked like an ambulance driver. And the night before there had been a man up in Kennett, Missouri, had been twenty years as blind as shoe cobbler. And he received his sight that morning and he went home. He ran all over the city. He ran into the Methodist church with his um, uh, hat on his chain blind. There's a white thing he runs through the church, and they told him out there. He went out to the Catholic church, and they told him out there. They just, uh, he was taking the town. So everybody was coming from everywhere. And so they, I looked there, and this man kept motioning like this to me with his cap. I said, Are you calling to me, sir? He said, Yes, sir. Said, I'm from up in Missouri. Said, I got another trip to make tonight. Said, I got a patient out there. Said, The patient's already dead, and we had a house doctor. And said, I can't find him anywhere. I don't know what to do. Could you come to her? And I said, well, sir, they wouldn't take my words for now they're dead. I said, it takes the undertaker. He said, I wish you would come out of her husband just frantic out there. Maybe you could quiet me. And I said, well, sir, there's 2,000 people through here in that row. There's a big erogious reserve there for ambulances along on the other side of the auditorium. And so he said, I'll help get you out. There's a big group of men. I passed through the audience. And, uh, as we passed through, Mr. Reed began to lead the songs again. I went out there and there was a big black ambulance sitting there and he opened up the door and I got in a typical old Arkansas brother. Now if you come out here from Arkansas, don't mean to hurt your feelings. They're poor, poor, but they sure got something out of that old blue shirt, brother, that beats true to God. That's right. I'd rather have, I said, you watch this old time salvation does. It'll make a tuxedo suit and a pair of overalls, put the arms around one another and call each other brother, too. It sure, it'll make calico and silk step together and call each other sister. Certainly will. It'll take all the starch out of you and realize that we're all one person in Christ Jesus, brothers and sisters. And there I looked in there, and a poor old fellow back there, and his shoes, soles was off of his shoes, old, faded out overalls, reminding my poor old daddy. And his shirt was patched all over it. He had an old hat in his hand, and it was sewed up around the side of a flying card, and the whiskers was kind of long on his face. He hadn't shaved maybe for a week or ten days, and weary look on his face, and he was saying, Oh, mother! Why did you leave me? Why did you leave me? Poor old fellow. I looked at him. I thought, oh, my, now what can I tell him? And I stepped back to the ambulance in the front where he opened it up, the door. And so he looked at me and he said, I said, how did you? He said, how did you? He said, are you the doctor? And I said, no, I said, I'm Brother Brandon. He said, oh, Brother Brandon. I said, poor mother. He said, she wanted to see you so bad before she died. said, she's such a good woman, Brother Brandon. He said, she hired over those old fives up there and made me what I am. And said so she took cancer a few years ago and said so we took her to St. Louis. The doctors operated, they've done everything. Said so I've even sold my mules and everything. He said to try to 
uh, to try to get her healed, and so the doctors would give her up. And we heard that this man come up this morning, testifying, and said, we went and sold some quilts that she made and some blackberries that she can last year to get the ambulance to bring her down. And said, now she's dead, Brother Branham, and said, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do without her to go back home. It's so lonesome. And I said, well, Dad, the only thing I know to do is that you and I just offer a prayer. Now I tell her, and I don't hardly think the woman is dead because now she might have been, I couldn't say. But they've taken her far teeth out and her lips have sunk way back and she's like muddy water out of her eyes made her sick. And her perspiration is real sticky. No pulse at all. No pulse at all. I felt her arm. And I just knelt down and pulled her hand. And we started praying. And he was just crying and praying, Oh God, if I could only see her, talk to her once more like that. And I was praying. I said, Father, I pray thee to be merciful to this dear brother and to help him and, and to bless him. And to this dear woman that come all this way, I thought I'd squeeze my hand. The devil said to me, he said, you see, that's the muscle. She's dead. It's just her muscle twitches. And I agreed with him. So I went on praying just a few minutes, and it twitched again. I thought, well, that's strange. I looked down, I seen the skin on her forehead wrinkling. The devil was wrong there. So she looked at me, and she raised up. I never said a word. Just kept quit praying. He's just a crying and wringing his hands in his hand, like that. Looking up in the air, and and she raised up. She said, "What's your name?" And I said, "I'm Brother Branham." When they looked, he said, "Mother!" And a poor old fellow grabbed her in his arms like that, began to scream and cry. She followed her meetings for months and months. I heard from her last been about eight, nine years ago, and I heard from her here about two, three months ago. Before I went overseas, she's just fine and dandy. Nothing wrong with it at all. She's just perfect, normally well as she can be. So, so uh, the. The driver said, Brother Branham, so that man had brought you, they'd gone back to the parking lot, said, uh, back in the bank. So now you can't get through there because thousands of crowds up in here knowing you're in the car. Said, you go down around this road and they're going to meet you back there at the building so nobody knows you back there. Go on back that way. And I said, yes, sir. And he acted like he's taking off his coat like this. That looked like a hypocrite to do that. That's the only thing I could do. Now I got out of the car, went out alongside and just raining right along. I started pushing through those people back there, you know, from right to left. Time they go through, and I wonder where's those fellows at? And very big lots back there, and people are all standing. Some have been in there for days, and I was pressing through like this, and everybody quit coming, saying, "Quit pushing, stop pushing." I said, "Pardon me." I kept pushing on directly. A great big fellow started winning. He said, "I said quit pushing." <laughs> I was afraid he was going to push next, so I said, "Yes, sir." Excuse me, sir. I said, "I didn't mean to do it." He said, "Well, stand still." I said, "Thank you, sir." I watched him here a little while. He kept on women talking there, you know, and he tried a big rough black fella. And I looked at him. I heard a cry. I never forget it as long as I live. And they got this Jim Crow law there, segregation, or had been. And here come a young car girl, about 16, 17 years old, just her eyes white with cataract, and she was pushing through that crowd, calling, Daddy, Daddy, hold Daddy. Nobody paying any attention to her. And I thought, poor thing, looks like somebody helped that girl. And um, she's coming my way. So I slipped out real easy from this fella, got away, got over on the side here. And I kept getting right in her line which way she was coming, so she bumped into me. And she bumped into me, and she said, put her hands on me. She said, pardon me. She said, Daddy. And I said, what's the matter? She said, sir. She said, I've lost my daddy. Could you help me find him? And I said, well, I don't see any more colored people around here, lady. I said, um, uh, where are you from? She said, I'm from Memphis. 
And I said, mm-hmm. I looked over and seen that chartered bus line. I seen it one chartered bus in Memphis. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, what are you doing over here? I thought that poor thing. Isn't that awful to take the van and give like that in her blind? Couldn't see me. And I said, um, I was just trying her face. And I said, uh, what are you doing over here? And she said, um, I come over to see the healer. <laughs> at Southern Park. I come to see the healer. And I said, the what? She said, the healer. And I said, I don't understand what you mean. She said, well, sir, I listen to all the good radio programs. And she said, this morning I heard this man from down here towards Carney that couldn't speak a word, was talking on the radio, and said, that man that was blind, he got his side up there, said, uh, I'm blind too, as you know. Said, when I was a little girl, I got cataracts on my eye, and the doctor told me when they got right, I don't know what right means, but said when they got right, that he'd take them out. And said, now they're right, and said, he said, they wrapped around the roots of it around the optical nerve of my eye, that he can't take the, the cataract without taking the eye to and she said, I don't have a chance to see. And said, I come over to see the healer. And she said, um, and they tell me this is his last night, and I haven't got a chance to get in to the building. And said, and my, and I've lost my father, and I can't find my way back to the bus. She said, would you help me get back to the bus, kind sir? Just as intelligent as she could be. And I said, yes, ma'am. But I said, what I want to question you about, about this healer, I said, do you believe that in the day that we got all these fine doctors and surgeons, that God would do something by Santa Angel like that? She said, yes, sir. I believe it. And uh, that made me feel ashamed of myself. And she said, uh, she said uh, yes, sir, I believe it. And I said, well, it looks like it, uh, uh, in this fine day when we got all these doctors, she said, sir, none of them can help me. And uh, I said, yes, ma'am. She, I said, well, yeah, I, you don't really mean to believe that. She said, sir, I'll tell you what. If you'll take me by the hand and lead me to where that man is, then I'll find my father. <laughs> that just made me just go right down. But what a, must I thought I'd be hypocrite. This made me center. I looked at the poor old thing and I, I said, well, sister, maybe I'm the one you're supposed to see. If I live to be a hundred years old, I can't forget that. She grabbed me right like that. She said, is you the healer? I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm Brother Branham. She said, oh, Brother Branham. And I said, now wait, take her hands off here. You think I'd get her hands? I couldn't pull them off on me. She wasn't going to let me get away. She said, pull like that. And I said, will you turn me loose? She said, no, sir. Sir, have mercy on me, Brother Branham. And I said, well, sister, I pray to Jesus for She said, have mercy. And I thought of that song she'd heard about that man being healed up there, blind, then he cries. He said, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while on others I call him, do not pass me by. I thought of that. And I said, well, sister, if you let me have a hold of your hand, I said, while I prayed. And I had to pry a hand loose from me, one of them, and I held it like that. I said, now you just bow your head and close your eyes. She said, yes. So I was praying, and I said, now Heavenly Father, my Lord is now, I hope to come up behind this place. You believe all things are all around God. Here they are. And I said, and I said, I, I won't know how I'm back here, but this poor blind colored girl, I said, here she stands. And I said, Father, some 1900 years ago, there was an old rugged cross come driving down to the streets of Jerusalem, driving out the bloody footprints of the barrier. On his road up the hill to be crucified, his poor little frail body 
live inside. He couldn't pack the cross no longer in his cell. And there comes Simon, wearing the colored man, picked up the cross and put it up on his own shoulders and helped him back. I said, Father, I'm sure you understand that. And here tonight, staggered in total darkness is one of his children. Well, in total darkness, and upon that cross, the blood for the healing of this girl, was that, won't you please have mercy upon her like that? Just then, something happened. She said, something went through me, my eyes feel so cold. I know his life went out of his cataract, but she had to wait for the shrinking. I said, just keep your lids open and sister for a moment. I said, don't say nothing. We'll be going here. See, don't let no one see us. And then they wasn't paying attention, just moving along. And I said, now, uh, just raise your head just about where you think I am, and then open your eyes, for Jesus is giving you a sign. He said, yes, sir. She said, is my head about right? And I said, yes, ma'am. Now open your eyes. She opened her eyes. She said, is there no help? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, is there no response? Is that something going on? I said, she screamed to the top of her voice and jumped out of the night, crashing, oh, God, I was once blind and now I see that's that side of the crowd. Here they all come running everywhere. Now look, I see my man coming around the corner, pressing through the crowd, and there was an old man standing there with a club where he walked when he had a twisted leg like that. He said, I know you better than him. He said, I've been standing eight days. I've got five little children at home. Could have been crippled. He said, I've been here good boys. You asked Johnny, he was not into it. I said, Do you believe that, brother? He said, With all my heart. I said, Then in the name of Jesus Christ, give me your club. And when I stand at the judgment bar before this group of people, you'll know then whether it's true or not. When he handed me that club, God honored his face. His foot comes straight like that. He leaps up in the air and begins screaming to the top of his voice. And then this coming to me, and up when the people press into the crowd, they've seen the miraculous and seen God move in the audience and so forth. So they just believed that was all. And friends, up to that time, I'd been on the road then about six months, and you know how I am about taking money. I don't fight that. And I never even picked up an offering for myself. And when I went away from home, I didn't have the clothes to wear. That's true. I'm thanking God tonight I got clothes. And, but my brother, younger and I, he was out on a date, and they had a wreck. And he, he cut his suit up, he cut their legs in it, and the pocket was all tore down. And he gave me that when I started on my first healing campaign. My wife and I went out to the 10 cent store and got some of that patches you iron on with a hot iron, you know, and put it on there. And this pocket was torn, and I'm not very good at sewing up, but I tucked and sewed it up um, with my hand. I got sewed up in the middle of this big place, and I had to meet ministers, and they'd be dressed so nice and look at them. And I felt ashamed of my old raggy coat, so I'd hold my right hand over and shake hands with my left hand and say, Excuse my left hand is closer to my heart. I said, I got, because I didn't want him to see that old raggy coat. But brother, that night, them people were pressing through that crowd to touch that old ragged coat, and they were getting healed. Let me tell you, brother, the same God was there that night, sure tonight, too. So don't take a ragged coat and take your faith in God. If you just believe the gospel truth, the same Lord Jesus that was there that night is riding the brother for him tonight to do the same things he done there. That's right. God be merciful. I get to think of those things that happen like that. And I wonder what it'll be someday when we cross over the tide on the other side and see those dear people that God has healed and so many things has been done. Our time is away from us. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight for thy loving kindness for all that thou has done for us, Lord. We just praise thee with all thy heart. 
and I ask you to be with us tonight. Come, Lord Jesus, when I touch back there, that, that night when those poor people and dragging you over top of them, little mothers trying to let their baby touch your hand or your coat or your clothes, you jump up all the cops and scream and run through the building, just to be near, not because of your servant Lord, but because that they knew you were there. And it was the truth that I was trying to tell them that you had died for them to heal them and save them. Oh, dear Father, to these fine people here in this lovely, wonderful state of New York tonight, many of them are seen here in this little auditorium. And I pray tonight, Father, that there won't be a feeble person in our midst when we leave. May we feel like those who came from Emmaus in leaving, saying, Did not our hearts burn within us? Do something tonight, Lord, like you did for them, a little different from the ordinary run of ministry. Do something that we'll know that you've raised from the dead and are here alive tonight. Prove it to the people that we're telling them the truth, that you heal them and you want them to believe it and accept you as their Savior and as their healer. Grant us, Father, through the humble prayer of thy servant, I ask in the name of thy beloved child, the Lord Jesus. Amen. May the Lord God of heaven bless each and every one of you and make a blessing to you all. I don't mean to be a baby. I'm 45 years old. I'm an old man. But when I think of those things, of those experiences, of those lovely people and things, I just can't keep from in my heart crying out something in me. Now, I'm not a baby. No, sir, I'm not. But I, I just get temperamental, I suppose, when I think of it. I think when we cross the line over there, you'll hear some crying over there, too, and rejoicing when we all meet together on the other side. Now, if the Holy Spirit of God does come tonight, remember, I'm your brother, a man. But when he comes, you'll see it. If you'll watch, you'll be a light. You'll stand near where I am. And he, either is a person in this building in my sight, that's the two people, that one man sitting there, maybe two, and Mr. Smith here, our brother Smith, is the only people in the building I know. I'm a total stranger to you. But if Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and he's here as I say that he is, then he can take my body and anoint me with his spirit and do the same work that he did when he was here on earth that's according to his promise. Is that right? If he does that, will every one of you here promise me that you will accept him as Savior and healer? If you will, raise your hands. You promise him. Don't promise me. Thank you. It looks like a 100% everywhere. May God grant it to you, my Christian friend, and you will accept it. Now, truth is truth. Now, a man can come through here, they all make claims of this, that, or the other. That's a man making it. You have a right to doubt a man. But when God comes around and confirms it, and it's according to his word, then it's a sin to disbelieve God. Isn't that right? So you believe tonight with all your heart. Now, just lay aside every little doubt. And and just look and just remember what I told you in the beginning, the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's exactly his ministry. Anyone knows that. That's his ministry. He's looked in the people, the audience of people. He perceived their thoughts. Is that right? How many knows that's a scripture? Raise up your hand. Well, if he, he would look out in the audience, and wherever the Father would show him something or other, he could call it out and tell him. Is that right? And when he stood and talked to the people, he knew what their troubles were. He knew whether he was going to be well or whether he was going to die or what was going to take place. But he did nothing except the Father showed him first. Is that right? Everybody believe that? That's his, that's his word. See, that's what he said. 
It may be on a little different angle from the way you've been taught, but look at it in the scriptural light. When he comes first, he comes in that angle that people didn't believe him. They're looking for him some other way. And perhaps when he comes again, it'll be in an angle that we don't know nothing about. That's right. So you just be reverent. And now, if the anointing would strike me, of course, it puts me in another dimension. To the scientists, it's the, the other dimension. To you, Christians, it's in the spirit. And therefore, you're not yourself. Look at this microphone. That microphone can't say a thing by itself. That light up there can't say to that window, you see what a great light I am? I still light. That window say, I'm greater than you because I still light in the daytime. It's neither one of them showing light. That's the light, the electric burning and showing light there. It isn't the glass. It's the light behind the glass. And the sunlight shows through the window, so it's neither one of them. It's something shining through them. Is that right? This microphone can't speak by itself. Well, now, this um, desk here is not uh, a microphone. It serves its place. The, the microphone don't hold the Bible, but the desk holds the Bible. The clock keeps time. So forth. That's the way everything has its place. And if the whole thing is, is to submit yourself to the Holy Spirit of God. And if you'll come tonight and reproduce the life of his son here at the platform, now it won't be me, it will be him, remember. It will only, not to show his power, he's doing this that it might be fulfilled, which he said would come to pass. It's fulfilling. He came to full, when he comes first, he comes to fulfill what the prophet said. He comes now to fulfill what himself and the apostles said. And he will come again in flesh to receive his church according to his word. And you believe it with all your heart, and just remain seated, keep quiet, be reverent. Now, if the Lord performs the miracle, you have a right to turn yourself loose to praise him. Now, the boy, I believe, said he'd give out some prayer for him. All right, but I don't know how many we can get to. We'll get to as many as we can, but we'll have to call somewhere a few out of there and maybe call again. Uh, this uh, little prayer card, it's a little bitty thing about like that. It's got my picture on one side, and on the other side it's got a number and a letter. It'll be a letter G, and there's a hundred of them out there somewhere. We don't can call them all at once, but let's take them. Um, the first few of them. Let's see who's got prayer card G number one. Will you look at this, this lady here? Or who, will you come over here, lady? Number two. Who has prayer card number two? G number two. Would you raise up your hand anywhere? Two. All right, sir. Number three. Who has G number three? Would you raise your hand? Three. All right. Four. Who has number four? Would you raise your hand? Four. All right. Come right out. Five. Now, if you can't raise up, just raise your hand, shake it. The ushers will pass it. If you're blind, Lots of some of them that's called and you can't, can't get up or something while, or can't hear. While you watch, it may be a deaf person who can't hear. Look at your neighbor's card when you're called so that you don't know. What was I at there? Four, was it? Who has prayer card five? Is prayer card number five? Is it already in? Five? Who has six? Prayer card number six. Will you raise your hand? Prayer card six? Look at your neighbor. It may be somebody deaf or it may be somebody that... They can't get up. Prayer card number six. Would you raise your hand? Six is already up there. Seven. Who has number seven? Prayer card number seven. All right, sister. 
Number eight, raise up your eight. All right, sister. Number nine, yes, Sarah Clark. Number nine, all right, lady. Number ten, Sarah Clark. Number ten, would you raise up your hand? Sarah Clark, ten. Yes, ten, lady. Eleven, Sarah Clark, eleven. Raise up your hand. Yes, Sarah Clark, eleven. I see a man here in a, in a wheelchair. Ask him what prayer card he's got. Somebody look at his prayer card. Eleven. All right. Twelve. Yes, twelve. Thirteen. Fourteen. Fourteen. Did I, fourteen. All right. Fifteen. Fifteen. Anyone got prayer card? Fifteen. Raise up your hand. Fifteen. All right. I believe somebody. It must be a somebody who had to. Part of pick up or something. All right, 15, now 16, 17. Am I too far out? Am I 16? Isn't prayer card 16 here? Prayer card number 16, is it in the building? 17, is it in the building? 18, 19, 20. I guess I've run out. <laughs> What, what, what card is yours, sister? 20? 20, 21? We'll take a few more then. 21? 22? 23? All right, 24? 25? Somebody got prayer card 25? Look at your neighbors that may be deaf people or something, or somebody that's on crutches and can't get up. Look, if they're anywhere between one, everybody look at each other's cards. Between one and 25. If it is, let the oysters pack them when their number is called. Now, how many in here doesn't have a prayer card and wants the Lord Jesus to heal you tonight? Raise up your hand. Everywhere in the building wants the Lord Jesus to heal you. Now, I'm going to say this. If the Holy Spirit does come, and if he comes in his power to work, if you just only look this way and believe that it is the gospel truth, then God's under obligation to heal you. Don't you believe that God up here could show me out here by vision, out there, and heal you? Don't you believe that? How many have been in meetings before and see you've done of all kinds of things? Well, I'm not, I thought I was among strangers, but I'm not. That's very fine. Thank you very kindly. Now may the Lord Jesus bless you. Now be reverent. Now mothers, keep your babies near you, or especially in a case of epilepsy. That's the one thing. It's, it's, I've been just, it's got away from me so many times, and um, I've seen it strike as many as 20 at a time in the building. And uh, so I'm, I'm not responsible for critics. That's state law. I, mean, I have to say that. If you're here in a critic, don't you stay in the building now. Remember, if you come up with something wrong with you, well, I'm not responsible. But if you are a Christian and a believer, don't sit humble and obey what he says do, and you're always welcome. Now, let's pray again. Now, Heavenly Father, I have told these people that you have raised from the dead, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that your power is just the same. The same things that you did when you were here in flesh, you promised to do it through our flesh. For you said the things that I do shall you also. And we see the ministry that you had. Not a great boaster to go around and claim to be a healer, but you walked before the Father, and you did just as he told you to do. Now, Lord Jesus, this poor, unworthy servant of yours, 
But for your glory and for the sake of the gospel, I submit myself to thee. Now I let the Holy Spirit, the angel of God, come to thy service and use me, Father, and seek the ministry of your resurrected Son, that the word of God might be fulfilled, that when the day of judgment comes, that this group of people in New York here will not have an excuse, but they'll know that you've raised from the dead, and your gospel says that you're coming, and we believe it. And the things that you said that you do, do it now, Father. And we'll praise thee, for we ask it for God's glory in the name of his Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, would that everybody be just as quiet as you possibly could be? Don't move. Uh, my boy is here somewhere. Stand back in there with Brother Gardner and then. He'll know when to take me and I, from the meeting. And I want you to believe. Now, this lady here comes Now let me say this with, with a solemn warning. Be seated, be quiet, for I'm not responsible from here out of what happens to unbelief or disobedience. No matter what he tells you, you do it right then. Just be reverent now. Now, I believe this the patient here. I am waiting for his presence to come to me. Of course, I'm just a, a man, you know, I'm, I'm talking much that way. Usually the manager does the talking, and um, the platform man, and this just little meeting, I talk myself, and the first thing you know, I you have to wait a moment, maybe sometime, on the anointing of the Holy Spirit for him to move. Now, the I guess the engineers can, I don't know how loud I talk, so they probably regulated so that you can hear when it once strikes, it's just about over then. And I pray that he will, for God's glory and for the glory of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, that he'll help tonight and help me and anoint me with his spirit, that for the glory of God. And may he grant Now slowly, let's all just hum this like this, not Lord, I believe, but I, now I believe. Sing it quietly. Now I believe. Now I believe. All things are possible. Now I believe. Every spirit here under my control 
in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for the glory of God. I suppose, ladies, and you being the first patient here tonight, I want to talk to you just a moment. And see now that you are a Christian, or your spirit comes in you often. Now, you could have been an infidel, or you could have been a critic. If you was, I don't know it. But you're a believer, and your spirit comes to me now. But now, our master talked to the woman at the well until he found where her trouble was. And then when he talked, he found her trouble. He revealed what her trouble was, and she believed right then that he was the Messiah. Now, you and I are strangers, are we? We don't know either. Uh, is that right? Just raise your hand to the audience and see that we're perfectly strangers to each other. I know nothing of you, never seen you in my life, or know nothing of you. This is our first time meeting, but yet I know that you're a Christian. Quickly, that detects one thing. The same Spirit lives upon our Lord that said this to Nathaniel when he comes, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Now, if our Lord Jesus will... Does anybody in the audience know this woman? Does anybody here know her? All right. Well, then you know whether she's a truthful woman, and she is. That's right. Well, now, if the Holy Spirit will let me know what that woman is here for, how many out there will believe at that minute? Believe right then, say, I'll accept it. May he grant it, sister. I, my, my trust is in him that he will do it. And you, you like to live here? It's a conversation. It's a, now, you are aware now that there's, there's something going on. Now, if the audience could only see at this time this presence that's coming between you and our life, and you are suffering with um, uh, an asthmatic condition. You, have, you, you do a lot of coughing and, uh, uh, with asthmatic, a dry cough. And you just had some trouble just recently. It was, um, it's been about a year ago, you had a hemorrhage, a brain hemorrhage. And you've, um, you've, you've been a believer for a number of years. I see you go back to a young woman. And you've had a, some healing back. It was a man. It was, um, it's a man who's dressed kind of odd to the dress of today. It was your husband. He had a, a kind of a, there must have been a rheumatism or something, a crutch or something look like, and you, and you've been a believer for a number of years, and you, and you're healed. God bless you. You may go on the road rejoicing Jesus Christ makes you well. Come with you, sir. Is that right? Yes. 
You accept him as your healer? And then in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I rebuke this rope. May it leave you and go out. Amen. God bless you, brother. Go rejoicing, happy, praising God for your healing. You believe him? what you ask for, 
if you'll just have faith to believe. You should not need anything more. His presence is here.
You're the patient, sir? Well, excuse me. I'm not resigned myself, but it's... Um, we're strangers to each other, but there's neither of us stranger before God. God's noticed both that we were born, he fed us every bit of the food we ever eat, put the clothes on our back, give us the water we drink and the air we breathe. Now we being strangers, born, miles apart perhaps, and all God can reveal to me, oh, if he so desires something, now he, if he was standing here with this suit that he gave me, he couldn't heal you if you're needing healing. I don't know what you're needing. But if he couldn't, he couldn't heal you if he was standing here. Because he'd tell you, I did that at Calvary. But the only thing that he could do to let you know that it was him, he would know who you was or what about you and all like that. Isn't that right? Or as far as knowing who you are. That, now that sometimes strikes people. They said, that is scripture. Oh, yes, it is. Didn't Jesus say, you're Simon, and from this on your name will be called Peter? Is that right? And sure, well, my, don't get them suspicious. You, you, you hinder the service. Now, if God will reveal to me what your trouble is, will you accept your healing if you need it? Or if it's whatever you need. If it's domestic, finance, whatever it is. If you've got a good reason for it, God will hear the reason. You're a believer. You're not a critic. You're a believer. And you're suffering with a heart trouble and a nervous condition. That is right. Say there's been some contact. You've got a wife, and she's real nervous. And in some way, I see you sending something. It's a message. It's a telegram or some message you sent to me. And I've sent you a, you had a real bad spell. And I've sent you a little cloth or something that, that you wore on you. That's the truth. That wasn't me. That was him. Now it's me. Well, you hear that boy just saying? That wasn't me. That was him. Whatever he said, the truth isn't. It's the truth. I see your um, your name is Arthur, and your last name is Vince or something like that, and you live at 150 Muller Street. You live in an apartment. And your apartment number is 9B, is that right? Go home, lay your hands on your wife also. In the name of Jesus Christ, may the man be healed. Have faith in God. Don't disbelieve, but believe all things are possible. What do you think about a little lady sitting out of your arms full you're suffering with a bowel trouble, aren't you? What about if God is your faith to reach up here and touch me to know what you are and you sitting there impossible for me to know you? you got eye trouble and bowel trouble, isn't that right? Jesus Christ heals you of it. Stand on your feet and accept it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Blessed be the Lord Jesus. What do you think sitting there, sir? You sit with a 
a rectal trouble. Isn't that right? Just a moment. There's a dark street running from the man. Now wait, there's something else in the building that's wrong there. That's What's coming over here to this man with his hand up? That's husband and wife sitting there. And you both are bothered with rectal trouble. Is that right to both of you? Raise up your hands if that's right. Now you all twinkling go, Jesus Christ makes all three of you well. You can go home and be well. Praise be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Almighty God, author of life, giver of every good gift, send our blessings on sister and healer in Jesus Christ's name, my Amen. Now, if you believe me to be a servant, go thanking God. It's gone from you. Go saying praise be to God. All right, will you come, ladies? You believe me to be a servant, the servant of the Lord. We're strangers to each other. God will let you know what's wrong with you. You expect your healing. Your back. Isn't that right? Then you're healed, aren't you? Go on here, Lord, rejoicing, saying, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come, ladies. If God will tell me what your trouble is for you get here, will you accept your healing, lady? Yes. You will? Heart trouble's up to bother you. Is that right? You've got complications too, other things. You believe that Jesus Christ will heal you? Yes. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, may this number one enemy of human life leave this woman. For Jesus Christ's sake, I ask it in his name. Amen. So happy, rejoicing. Write and tell me about your healing, how God has made you well. All right. Lady, I want to ask you something. Stop there just a minute. When I mention heart trouble to her, a funny feeling come over here, doesn't it? Because you're suffering the same thing. I'll go on your road rejoicing and you feel while you're sitting in your seat there. Have faith. Believe with all your heart now. All right. Come this way, ladies and gentlemen. You believe that God will heal your diabetes and let you go home and be well? You believe with all your heart? Then in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, go to your room rejoicing. Amen. Believe now with all your heart. Arthritis is an awful thing, isn't it? So it's stomach trouble, but God's a healer of all of it, isn't he? Then in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I ask God to make you well. Amen. Walk across the back corner and praise the Lord for my healing. All right. When I mention arthritis to him, a funny feeling come over you, didn't you? Them demons sympathize with each other. You're healed too. Go on your own rejoicing. You don't even have to come here. Your faith has made you whole. Lady, you're coming here about your eyes. You're going blind. It's getting worse all the time. Isn't that right? You're healed now. Go on your own rejoicing. Praise him and thank him God. Believe with all your heart. Do you believe, my sister, as you come? If God will reveal to me what's your trouble, will you accept your healing? You have high blood pressure, for one thing, what's bothering you. Do you believe that he'll make you well of it? You do. You have trouble on your heart, too. you got something on your heart, it's some loved one, isn't it? It's a sister. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. She's in the hospital yeah. under oxygen tent yeah. with a heart attack. Go home. Lay your hands on her in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mary, if you don't believe, you'll never go to believe. The Lord Jesus Christ is here to heal every person in the building. You believe it with all your heart? Do you believe his majesty is here now? Sister, go on for hours. Every person that's got high blood pressure, stand to your feet. Every person with high blood pressure. Every person bottled with nervous is stand to your feet like quick. Every person with cancer, stand to your feet like quick. Every person with a sickness of any kind, stand to your feet like quick. Do you believe me? 
tell God if he can cast out demons and them standing right here on the platform, can he cast it out there too? Here he is, just moving. Can't you see that light moving around all that building like that? Raise up your hands and give him praise. I'm going to ask God to cleanse everything in here so you can go home perfectly normally well. Do you believe it? Almighty God, in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus, I cast out every evil spirit that's in here on the authority of your word. Satan, you are a loser. You can't hold these people any longer. You're exposed out here tonight, and you can't hold them any longer. Come out of them. In the name of Jesus Christ, lead every one of them. Everybody in here, raise up your hands and go to praising God and thank Him. Cripples, get up off your feet. Get up and walk, you cripples. Blind people, look up. You can see the death in here. Praise be to God. He healed every one of you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.